Bale. A goal for Henrik Larsson on his Manchester United debut in the FA Cup. Gets it back from Larsson. More reverse pass, Larsson. It's his second Manchester United goal and it's a brilliantly worked goal as well. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United podcast. Just the two of us today, I'm Helen Evans. I'm Sam Homewood. Maisie is missing, not literally missing, but he's missing from the podcast. He's, he's driving, I think, isn't he? He's driving. He's been playing golf with... Shock. Um, who did he tell me he was playing golf with? Lee Martin. Oh, that's nice. And he's driving back from somewhere. Yeah, so he's not, he's not joining us today. How are you, Sam? I'm very good, thank you. This was very nearly a podcast on the road, wasn't it? We didn't quite manage to work the logistics out. How are you, Helen? Yes, I'm fine, Sam. Enjoying the nice weather. Yeah, it would have been nicer in Sweden. No, probably. but I'm enjoying the nice weather in Manchester. Oh, it's been lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's been so nice. Everybody's happier when the weather is good. Yeah, I that's even a real walked thing. to school yesterday morning for the first time. Oh, what a treat. Yep. So, uh, should we talk about Henrik Larsson? Yep. He is like... It's so weird because... Even when I, although I know this, even when you look it up and you just reaffirm the information you have, he was at United such a short amount of time, played 13 games, he scored three goals, and he is remembered so fondly as being and 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 as being so impactful. It was such a small a part f- of a season. Yeah, but because he was such a football icon before that too, I think that's he it. He came isn't it? with he came to United with that on his shoulders. The thing that baffles me, and not in a disrespectful way, is that he was at Celtic for seven years. Like you'd think somebody would have, because he was always brilliant. You just think they were playing would... European football and stuff then, weren't they? Yeah, so and exactly. And, and often when you see it, don't you? You see do. players who are who are in a club and it seems perfectly set up for them, and they're absolutely smashing it, and then they leave and go somewhere else, and it just doesn't quite work. And yeah, I suppose if he was true. in an environment that doing everything he needed, why move? Yes, but he did go on and make the move to Barcelona, which is pretty big. Yeah, uh, won a Champions League with an incredible team. Yeah, he did all right, didn't he? Yeah, he did all right. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, he had the loan move to Manchester United, which you have mentioned. Such a short loan move, but as you say, fans still talk about him in such glowing terms. I know. It's just, I, I guess he's just he seems like such a likable person. Yeah. And very professional, and just and he scored goals. He doesn't have a goal scorer. I suppose we should get him on. Let's do it. Here he is, Henrik Larsson. Henrik Larson, welcome to the United Podcast. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine, thank you. And you guys? Good. Yeah, much well. rather be uh, in Sweden, but it's fine. It's sunny in Manchester, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> thank you for joining us. So where are you now? Where are we talking to you from? I'm in uh, Helsingborg, Sweden. Uh, moved back from Barcelona in December. So been there for yeah, half a year. And still waiting for the summer. I was wondering, because you finished at Barcelona... Last year, right? Yes, in October, November. Were you in Spain for all of COVID or were you able to head back to Sweden or how did that work for you? No, I was uh, going back to Sweden when I could. Um, Obviously, only during the national breaks. Uh, But yeah, as for everybody else, it was a hassle with all the testing and... uh, yeah, with the COVID, so it wasn't uh, enjoyable trips. Let me put it that way. 
Did you always think that you would eventually come back to Helsingborg? And is that where you would like to be for the next number of years? I mean, I always had a home back home here in Helsingborg. And we, we sold the, the farm, moved into an apartment close to the water. So, yeah, this would always be, a, be our base. But now we've got both our kids, uh, one living in uh, Belgium, uh, one in Stockholm at the moment. They used to, to play for Spartak Moscow. And uh, obviously with the situation with the war and everything, uh, he got a loan to Ayaka Stockholm. Um, so we're going to look what the kids are going to do. I mean, I think in the future they hopefully want to go back to Helsingborg, but if they decide to go somewhere else, we have to be open and available to uh, get close to them as well. Uh, you mentioned one of them being a player. Obviously, you played with Jordan, didn't you? Yeah, but that was really late. I was about 42. Yeah, but still pretty impressive that it happened. Yeah, no, it's good. Something that I look back to every now and then. Um, it's good. He was only, I think he was 15, something like that. In my amateur club where he also started his career. So it was, was good to do that. And being on the same pitch in an official game, even though it was in the lower leagues. Which country were your children born in? Whoa, yeah. Uh, Jordan was born in uh, Holland, uh, or the Netherlands, as you say, in Rotterdam. And uh, Janelle was born in Glasgow. So they can each represent a couple of countries? No, they're not allowed. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not allowed to do that. So. Oh. <laughs> I've seen elsewhere you wrote that it was your father that got you into football, and I assume that's the case for you and Jordan. But where did your love of the game come from? Yes, growing up, they didn't show that much football on television. I'm a little bit older than you guys, so you were lucky to get the European Championships and uh, the World Cups. And I remember watching the World Cup in 1978, was seven years, and um, yeah, I just loved the game. And my father loved the game as well. He didn't play professionally, but he played with... Uh, with some uh, amateur team here in Sweden when he was yeah, 40 plus. He's a little bit older than me. Uh, so I saw him play and I, I liked the game. And my parents told me that when I started uh, walking, um, the first thing I picked up was, was a ball. And yeah, and I took it from there. When, uh, when you were growing up, were you just obsessed with football and sport in general or was was there, I don't know, did you want to be a doctor or a fireman or, and you became a footballer or was it always football? I was, uh, I loved sport, everything. Everything you, I could try out, I tried out when I was young. I tried it a long time in my, uh, yeah, my first year as a professional. I still played floorball. It's a game we have in Sweden. And I played that until 1990 something like that and then I had to stop because my my manager at Helsingborg at the time uh, didn't like that I played that game because obviously with the with the injuries and everything uh, that could happen with that so um, I just loved sport I like to be be on the move when I was uh, young I didn't I didn't like to sit still 
So I had to be on the move all the time. Explain what that sport is for anybody listening who's not sure. Oh, it's a... How, yeah, how could I explain to you guys if you haven't seen it? It's, you play it with a stick. Um, it's the s- same size as a handball court. Um, and you play with a ball that is uh, a little bit lighter because you're playing indoors and you don't really have any inner protections, only the goalkeeper, because if they, they shoot, it, it could hurt a little bit. Um, yeah, and you run, run on your, uh, yeah, on your feet, so to speak. So uh, it's good. It's kind of similar to hockey, but not as as hard. Obviously, there's much more speed in 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 the in the hockey because of the skates and everything. But it's a fun game that I enjoyed playing. At this point, when you're doing that, are people talking to you about having a huge future in football? Will you expect to become? the the icon that you became of Swedish football? No, not at the time, because that was the reason why I still played the floorball as well, because obviously I was um, yeah 20 plus when I went to Helsingborg. Helsingborg wasn't even in the, in the highest league. Uh, so I always had a dream of becoming a professional football player uh, as a kid, but it didn't really happen for me uh, in the in the early years. So the dream kind of faded a little bit, but it was still there. Um, so, um, yeah, how do I say that? I mean, I wanted to be a professional football player, but I mean, I, I wasn't good enough at, uh, at that stage. So there were no interest from any other clubs uh, except uh, Helsingborg when, when I took the opportunity. And yeah, the rest is really history because once I got to Helsingborg, everything just fell into place and um, scored a lot of goals, got to move to the Netherlands, to Feyenoord and yeah, had a decent uh, years there, but not really exceptional. It didn't really happen for me again until I moved to Celtic. When you were younger, though, uh, excuse my pronunciation, you played at Hogeberg, is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's close, close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little smile there. Close enough when you're from Belfast. Um, so you played there in the lower leagues when you were younger. Was that your youth team then throughout until, until you moved to Hogeberg? I played all the way through the ranks from the... I think I started there when I was six or seven. Then I played there until I left for Helsingborg and I played through all the teams that you have to play in order to... I didn't do my debut there until I was the year I was 17. And that was back in the days. That was the third division in Sweden. It's changed now the division categories and everything. Playing the third division when you're 17 and I had, I think, three or four seasons there before I left to Helsingborg. So, and I played as a wide left midfield player as well uh, the first two years. And then I moved up as a striker and I started scoring some goals. And hence the interest from uh, Helsingborg uh, to take me there. You said um, you made your debut at about 17. Is it right that at 21, you had a job where you were loading vegetables onto trucks? 
Yeah, I had a few different jobs, and uh, that was the the one I had when I signed for Helsingborg. And to be honest, it wasn't me really, but obviously I had to to earn some money money in order to uh, share the rent with my uh, with my uh, wife. Now it was my girlfriend back then already. So uh, yeah, I needed to make some money. And then, so that was at 21. And then at 22, you were coming third in the World Cup. Is that right? Yeah, 22, turning 23. So there was, uh, went really quick those years. I know you had interest when you were playing at Hogeberg from Benfica. Was there interest from any other clubs before you made the move to Helsingborg? Uh, to be honest, it wasn't an interest uh, from Benfica. It was like my hometown club, Hergerborg. The, the the biggest player we had before me was Mats Magnusson. He played for Benfica. Uh, he was there when Sven Goran Eriksson was there. Stefan Schwartz was there. Jonas Tern was there. And um, Hergerborg had like uh, cooperation with Benfica that the most talented player of the year would go down on a week training session with the first team and or the second team and that's how I got the opportunity to to go down there um, but obviously yeah the the papers reported that I was down there so I think that Helsingborg started looking a little bit uh, towards uh, Hergerborg and me in order to maybe uh, get me to start playing for them. So how did the move to Feyenoord come about? Ooh, you're asking very difficult questions now. Goals, so many Goals that's the answer. <laughs> uh, it was uh, one of the people working for um, for Feyenoord, still works for Feyenoord, Jan Mustenbrook. He was the guy that looked very much into um, the Scandinavian market because Feyenoord always picked a lot of players still to this day from the Scandinavian market. And he's saw me playing and he talked to the manager at Feyenoord at the time, who was Wim Janssen, and uh, said that he saw a, a talented player up in Helsingborg. And so Wim took a, a plane to, to Malmö, I think, or Copenhagen, I can't remember, to watch when we played against Trelleborg, which is south from here, it's about an hour from here, but he was actually watching another striker, Mats Lillienberg at the time, who also played well in Alsvenskan and scored a few goals. But once Wim saw me afterwards, now sadly he passed away, but um, he told me that uh, once he saw me play, yeah, he knew he wanted me to to come to Feyenoord because the way I played, the way I moved, the way uh, I saw the game. So that's how the, the move came about. Did you notice a big difference when you went there in the style of football, for example? What was life like for you to adjust? Everything was difficult. Everything was new. Um, was a new culture, a new language, a new playing system. Uh, I wanted to become a professional football player, but I didn't really knew what it meant, um, what you had to do, and you have to adapt to, to, to all the different things. And that's why I think my career 
didn't really blossom when I was in Feyenoord, but I learned a lot that I had the use of later in my career, uh, the system and, uh, yeah, realize and understand and learn what it means to be a professional football player. Yeah, because for a lot of young teenage boys, they make that move maybe overseas or to an, to another place at maybe 15, 16. So they learn a lot earlier, but you're making the move a lot later in your career. So you're learning later, I suppose. I think it was a little bit easier for me because obviously my girlfriend, uh, which is now my wife, Magdalena, was with me already then. It's always easier if you do. Uh, if you're 15, 16, moving abroad, a new country. Um, if, you're, if you're lucky, you move to England and you know a little bit about the language. I didn't know that much about Dutch. So, but I knew a little bit of English and you could speak that. Then I learned uh, the Dutch language. There's a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you move. And I think that I was lucky in the sense that we were too moving. And I don't think that I was mature enough if I would have made that move when I was 15, 16. I think it suited me better to move later on in my, my career. But I didn't really have the option. So when it came, I t- grabbed it with both my hands because back in the days, you have to remember, there were only three foreign players that were allowed in, in the squads. So it wasn't as easy as it is nowadays. Uh, and then you have to keep your, your spot in, in the squad as well. So that was a little bit difficult, uh, more difficult back in the days. And uh, while you were there, you won a couple of cups? Yeah, I won the cup, never won the league. But afterwards, you can look at the Ajax team, what they had. You understand why you didn't win anything. Um, they won, I think, two Champions League in the years I was there. And they had a really good good side. So then, of course, Celtic came about. Was that Did Celtic approach Feyenoord because they wanted you? Or were Feyenoord thinking, well, maybe it's time to move Henrik on? Was there anybody else on the table? No, Feyenoord didn't want to let me go. Uh, but obviously, Wim Janssen had made a move to, to, to Celtic. And he knew, uh, I can say that now, he knew the, the basics in my, my contract. Um, I had one fee to move inside of Holland and one fee outside of uh, Holland. Uh, and he knew that. And he believed in me as a player. So... Uh, he came for me and Helsingborg was also uh, the other team that were in for me, uh, but I didn't really want to go back. I thought it was a little bit too early for me to go back to to play in Sweden again. I think I wasn't really finished and I wasn't really happy uh, the way that yeah my career was going in Holland. And, uh, but so when, when Celtic and Bim came in for me, I said, well, I will go because uh, I want to play abroad and um, I'm happy that I made that choice. Did you know a lot about Scottish football? Because, of course, he was the first manager outside of Great Britain to even manage Celtic. Um, So a lot of people didn't know about foreign managers or players coming into the team in Scotland maybe at that time. But what did you know about them? I didn't know that much about Celtic at the time. And the only thing I knew was the things I saw on the Dutch television because Pierre van Hooydonk was there uh, what they showed of the 
uh, the games you scored in and the, the old firm. But I never, I didn't know that much about Celtic, to be honest. And I said that before in in interviews as well. Uh, so I didn't know that much, and I think that was good for me and good for the players that. I think we were six, seven, eight players signing for Celtic that year. And I think that was good. And that's part of the reason why we managed to stop Rangers from 10 in a row. Just uh, for the benefit of people who are listening to this podcast and maybe they're a little bit younger and they're not quite aware of your career at Celtic as older people would be. There are legends of football clubs, obviously. And then there are those in that very, very top pantheon, the people that will be remembered by every generation, even the ones who didn't see them. And I know Celtic fans uh, put together their team of the century and there was only one non-Scottish player and it was you because you were there seven years. You played six full seasons, five times top scorer. You won the league four times, two Scottish Cups, uh, two Scottish League Cups and one European golden shoe, 242 goals in 313 games. A truly remarkable set of statistics for a man at a football club for a period. And I guess you can't have imagined that's what would have happened when you signed. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I couldn't imagine that. That was, uh, that was unbelievable, to be honest. And I'm so grateful that I, that I made the move and uh, uh, grateful for the players that I played with made it all possible for me as well. Um, grateful for the fans and grateful for the club and still have a good bond with uh, with Celtic uh, to this day. So it was just amazing, to be honest. There was, uh, yeah, there was some tough years in there as well and some tough injuries. But afterwards, uh, it was just uh, a fairy tale, to be honest. Scoring that many goals, winning that many trophies, uh, being part of teams that was putting uh, Celtic back on the map, uh, being in a European final, um, that was amazing. And I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to play for that fantastic club. You talk about moving to Holland and that was a struggle with the language, etc. How did you cope in Scotland for the first few months? It was different. <laughs> uh, well, great people, though. Yeah, great people. And it's hard to understand in the beginning. Um, but once you understand Paul Lambert, uh, you understand everything. So he's from Paisley, uh, close to Glasgow, or part of Glasgow. Played the pool with him every morning. And... First two years, it was it was a nightmare to understand him. But after uh, some time, you start to understand it and you just get on with it. And I mean, Scottish weather is not that very diff- different from, from the Swedish weather. And uh, yeah, the people are fantastic, as you say. I mean, so friendly, so uh, helpful. And uh, yeah, just great people. Obviously... People around the world might not be familiar with Scottish football, people who are listening. But if you watch an old firm game, you will learn very quickly how passionate the fans are. What was your first experience of that? First express, uh, experience of that was at the Ibrooks. Um, I think we lost the game, it was my first old firm. And 
it's it's hard to describe to people that haven't been on the pitch because on the pitch you don't hear anything. You can stand like a yard or two away from each other and you have to shout in order to be to hear each other and the the, the pace the game is played, the tackles that, that are being thrown back in the days at least uh, are just uh, crazy sometimes and what it means for for uh, the supporters is just uh, yeah you have to experience it in order to even understand a little bit what it what it means to them and when you play for such a long time as I did up there you start to understand it more and more for every season that is is going and uh, it's just was my favorite game to play whenever I played them you knew that you played even more for your set of fans and you wanted to make them proud and you wanted them to have the bragging rights for the for the time in between this this old firm game and the next one uh, because you knew if you won that game your set of supporters would be extremely happy how did it compare to El Clasico I said it before it's nothing that compares to an old firm I mean El Clasico for me is not even a derby because it's not in the same city. Um, I played the final, the Ajax, final PSV, not even close. Um, Manchester, Liverpool, no, not really, really Remember, close. Remember, this is a United podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I have to be honest. I mean, yeah. I don't think, I don't think the, the, the noise levels at any of the other games that I played is not comparable to the to the old firm. On a different subject, but whilst at Celtic, in '99 you broke your leg. Yeah. So you missed most of the season. How tough was that for you? It was tough because we, because we had Europeans coming up in the in the summer there. So uh, I broke my leg in I think it was October, and then I played the last game of the season home. That was, I played, I, I don't know, I didn't play that much. I think I got half an hour, something like that. And that was enough in order for me to get into the squad for the Europeans. So I was very pleased. I worked a lot with, yeah, first of all, the, the surgeon, Billy, who, yeah, operated me, operated me, did a great job. But then I obviously worked a lot with, with Brian Scott, who was the physio, at Celtic at the time, he helped me a lot with uh, with his staff in order for me to yeah, have a remote chance to be able to play the European Championship. So I was back playing again after five and a half months, and yeah, um, yeah, I was stronger, I was uh, fitter, uh, and I showed that the season afterwards. Well, I was, the reason I mentioned it was mostly to get to the season after because it's so remarkable that you broke your leg and then the following season you score 53 goals and win the European Golden Shoe. Do you, what do you credit that to? Hard work, nothing else. Hard work. I worked my butt off in the gym more or less every day. After, after five days of uh, they operated on me, I was on the, on the bike in the gym uh, to yeah, to to ride the bike without uh, resistance. Did your doctors and physio know that you were doing that, or was that yeah. just yeah? 
that they knew. And the, the, the surgeon said to me, I mean, you don't have to worry about your leg. The only thing is uh, it won't break again. It's reassuring. Uh, because I still have the titanium in, in my leg. So it's rock solid. So you won't worry. The only thing you should watch out for is, uh, yeah, if you get the pain. And the pain, when you feel something, uh, don't do it. Ease off a little bit. And so I was, yeah, five days I was on the, after my operation was on the bike. And yeah, one day I came home and I was really tired. And my wife said to me, maybe you should slow down a little bit. So I slowed down a little bit, uh, but I was still working. And to be honest, I wasn't really fond of the bike. So I told Brian, Brian Scott, we need to find something else because I don't really enjoy the bike. Uh, so we went a lot to, to the swimming pool uh, and done some work there. And, uh, and then we went on the, on the treadmill. And yeah, I worked really, really hard during those months in order to be able to to reach the Europeans, uh, because that was my goal. From, from uh, I was sitting on the pitch in Lyon. I started counting in my head and said, well, it's possible. So we go for it. So I decided already there on the pitch that I would play in the, in the Europeans in the summer. You did do that. The Euros, I think you got knocked out, was it in the first stage that yeah, season? Yeah, we didn't go through the group stage. I was on the bench the first game against Belgium. I entered that game and then I played the second one against Turkey and I played and scored uh, the last one against Italy. Uh, but we weren't good enough uh, to progress to the second round. Whilst at Celtic, for a period, you had um, like a trademark celebration. The United Sign <laughs> yes. we're all used to. Um, is it right? So obviously, for people who don't know, you used to stick your tongue out when you scored. That's correct. And but you decided to stop. Why did you decide to stop? I got so many letters uh, from uh, parents that were annoyed that their kids were doing the same thing. So I'll be, I just got sick and tired of doing it. Uh, to be honest with you, um, that's why I stopped uh, because. Back in the days, I used to open all the mail and read more or less all the all the letters. Uh, and yeah, it just annoyed me that I was getting told off by parents. <laughs> so I stopped doing it. Is that something you had been doing as a child as well? Like, is that difficult to change a celebration at this time in your career? No, I didn't do that as, as a child. I just done it once and it, they they caught it on the picture and I thought, well, that's something different at least. And uh, I thought, well, I will continue doing it. But I stopped stopped after a few years so, to make everybody else happy. Yeah. <laughs> were they uh, were they sent to the club or to your house? No, to the to the club. That's something. Yeah. After your fifty three goals that season, did you have other big European clubs come knocking at Celtic's door showing interest? I had my agent at the time talking to me, but I was happy where I was um, because I, you have to remember I came from three and a half years in, in, in Holland and uh, uh, where my football was all right. It wasn't uh, fantastic, uh, but I started to find my legs again and I enjoy playing. Uh, I, 
think at the time the Scottish League was very good at the time as well. We had uh, we had a very good team. Um, so I wasn't really interested in moving somewhere else because I knew what I had and I felt happy about it. And I just signed a new contract there as well, which meant that I earned a little bit more money than my first contract. So I was always happy. I knew what I had and didn't want to change it. We played in the in the European uh, Europa League and the Champions League. I played in the Euro, Euros with Sweden. I played in the World Cups with Sweden. So I was happy. So, and my family was happy as well. So I didn't find any good reason in order for me to, to leave to play somewhere else. But in the end, of course, you did leave and you went to Barcelona. So what was it that eventually convinced you maybe it was time to leave Scotland? No, I felt already the, the, the last season of my contract, I said straight away from the season beginning that I would leave after the season because I, I felt I've been there for seven years. Uh, if I didn't score in two or three games, uh, the, the saying would go, oh, it's not the same old Larson. Uh, and I just felt that it's time to leave. It's time to uh, get out when I'm still ahead. Um, and I still had a nagging feeling in myself that I wanted to go and play somewhere warm. Um, I wanted to play in 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 a warm country. And that was my dream when I was a young, young boy growing up. Uh, but I could never dream that Barcelona would come in for me. I was thinking maybe in the Spanish league, we played some uh, with Celtic. We played some when I was already in final, maybe not the top five, six teams in La Liga would come for me, but maybe in, in the bracket just uh, underneath that. So uh, I thought I would, Try out the ad in the papers in Scotland, and maybe it will filter down to to Spain, and hopefully some some team will come for me there. And then Barcelona came, and yeah, I'm happy that I done that. And but going back to your question, I just felt that yeah, it's time. I've been in seven years. I've done and left everything on the park whenever I played, uh, and uh, it's Glasgow is a fantastic city. Uh, and I had a fantastic place out in Bothwell, but it's also uh, a small city with uh, the two teams and uh, everybody lives for the football. Uh, it's a lot of being there as well. So I felt that it's time for me to do something else. Do you think maybe you, uh, I don't know, hadn't rated yourself highly enough if you were looking at clubs sort of mid-table in Spain? Yeah, but I was also at the time 32 years old. I wasn't 22 or 25. Uh, and I've always been quite realistic uh, in, in my judgments. So I didn't think that would be an opportunity, but I'm happy that I was wrong. <laughs> Is it right that when um, you were at Barcelona, Ronaldinho called you his idol every day? He used to come in the morning, Idolo, como estas? Uh, and that was <laughs> made me laugh every morning because obviously at the time Ronaldinho was the best player in the world he for me is the best player I played with without a shadow of a doubt uh, the things he could do with the ball 
scoring abilities uh, and also seeing the runs that other players did it was just amazing to see. I mean, it's, for me, the best player. In terms of moving from the Scottish League, which is very physical, to then move into the Spanish League, what differences did you find there? <laughs> the difference is I got a lot of free kicks against me. Yeah. <laughs> that was really boring, to be honest, because there is the Scottish League, yeah, is physical. Uh, at least was physical. I don't know how it is these days, but uh, watching uh, football from other leagues, you're not allowed to do as much as you did back in the day when football was a little bit more physical game, which I like. Uh, but it was I had to adapt to that. Uh, I have to be a little bit more clever in the way uh, I went about uh, with my physicality. But in the end, I think I managed doing that quite all right. Well, you won two La Ligas and the Champions League. It must have been a nice couple of years. Uh, it was fantastic, obviously, uh, by the injury of my cruciate uh, in October when I was really starting getting into the, to the team. Then I played all the important games. I played the, the El Clasico. I played when we played in the Champions League. So I was... I was on my way into the starting 11, but that's the way it goes sometimes. You just have to get on with it. And it was a remarkable team. I mean, you talk about Ronaldinho being the best player ever. I mean, you're in a brilliant position to judge that because obviously a very young Lionel Messi was there and Samuel Eto'o was there. And- Xavi was there. Iniesta was breaking through. Uh, we had Deco at the time as well, who was a very good football player. Uh, so we had a fantastic team. It was absolutely remarkable. However, the Champions League final, Thierry Henry listed all those players and said, but the person who changed the game and who won the game was you. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to make two assists in order to turn, turn the game in our favour. And um, I'm happy that I made a mark, left a mark uh, in that final and, and in the club. Uh, so I've been to European final with Celtic, uh, Europa League, Lost that against Porto, which still hurts me because I think that we deserve to win that game, but you don't always get what you deserve. And then playing another one, well, and losing that, fortunately enough, we didn't do that. We managed to turn it around and, and win it. And it's, it's my greatest, greatest achievement in my career, even though it was only for. 27 plus minutes uh, winning Champions League is the biggest thing you can win maybe the World Cup you could uh, put that into comparison but winning the Champions League is yeah is, is the top is the top so you were at Barcelona for two years and then back to Helsingborg was that a decision that you took or that the club took or was it more about playing more football it's a decision I took and it was a decision of playing more football. I was 34, something like that, getting close to 35. I felt that I still had a few years in, uh, in me as a football player. But also our son was turning 10 or something like that that year and I wanted him to, to have a base to have a, some, somewhere he could uh, call home because he was born in Holland, uh, moved to Glasgow when he was only a few weeks. 
and then to Spain. But those three wasn't really his home. And we always used to come back to, to Helsingborg in the summer. So I felt that I wanted to give him a, a platform uh, to get to know the city, get to know uh, his his friends, which he still got to have have to this day. Uh, so it was important for me to to get him a, a solid platform in order to uh, thrive as a as a person growing up. And then you said, "Let's all move to Manchester." Did your family move? <laughs> we, were, we were thinking of moving to Manchester, but it wasn't possible for because of the kids. We had uh, Janelle at the time as well. So uh, they were both going into school. So I was thinking of having a house there. But in the end, I stayed at the Hilton for two weeks and then I moved to the Lowry for the rest, the remainder of my time in Manchester. And it was a fantastic time, which um, I really loved. I mean, it's often referred to as the greatest loan in the history of football. Do you feel that way about it? Do you see it as a as a hugely successful? Because your career has been so successful that a few months at United, you could easily feel like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but I don't see it and I don't look at it that way. I was just happy that uh, Sir Alex called me because uh, I said no to uh, United before. Um, and I think that Sir Alex is, if not one of the absolutely greatest managers of all time in the game. And uh, being able to play for him and, uh, and that team and, and, and the club uh, is something that I, I couldn't resist when I was, uh, I think I was 35 at the time. To get the opportunity to, to go there and... Um, see if I could uh, do something or not was just too big in order to to resist it. And it's, to be honest, we all know Manchester is a great club. We should just check. When did you say no before? Oh, it was back in, uh, could be 99, I don't, I'm not sure, something like that. So I said no once, once before. So getting the opportunity and playing for one of the absolute greatest managers and one of the world's biggest clubs, I could simply not resist. Do you remember your first conversations with Sir Alex? How did the loan move come about? Did he phone you personally? Well, I played and we played the other way around in Sweden. So I came home in the summer. So I only played the, the fall in Sweden. And I think it was... We we played a team, Uster in Beckwa, and Stuart Baxter, he's English. He was a good friend with one of the scouts in Manchester. And after the game, he came to me when we arrived at uh, Olympia in Helsingborg, that uh, the scout has called him and asked if I was interested in, in a loan deal. Um, and... I said, well, I have to go home and talk to the missus first, but I already made my mind up because we have like a winter break that stretches from yeah, November till March. Then we start the league again and we train really hard. And 
being a little bit older, I thought it would be more benefit for me to play games instead of doing all the hard training that you have to do in the preseason back home in Sweden. So I thought it was a good solution for, for, for me and obviously for, for United as well. And uh, my first conversation must have been with Sir Alex Ferguson at the office in the training ground because he wasn't over here to sign me. It was Carlos Quiroz was over here, signed the papers. Uh, and he was just walking into that uh, office was just something, yeah, I had to pinch myself. And sitting in front of the... Huggleby, one of the greatest ever managers in the game, game talking with him, and uh, what, what, uh, yeah, what he wants from me it was fantastic. Can I just ask, is it quite normal for players to be able to leave in the off season and go on loan deals, or was this quite a unique situation to you? This is quite unique, uh, but I think that uh, my close relationship with uh, with the past uh, chairman of the club and uh, the board members, they understood straight away where, where I was coming from. And I said to them straight away that, well, I will only do this a long period. And I think that everybody will benefit for uh, from it because it, it would mean that I will be fit going into the season without having to do all the the hard work in the preseason, which will only tear more in my body because I'm getting a little bit older at the time as well. So I haven't heard so many players doing that the way I did it. Might be somebody, I don't know, but it wasn't, back then at least, it wasn't very common to do that. What was it like to turn up to a new football club in a new city, in a new country, and sort of join your teammates when they're already halfway through the season? It was difficult. It was different. It was nervous. Obviously, I knew more or less all the players in, in, the, in the team, watching them on television, uh, playing some international games against uh, some of the players. So I was a little bit nervous, obviously. Uh, but once you've done the, the first practice... And they look at you and uh, they see how you are. Then it wasn't any problems, to be honest. I think that I fitted quite well into that dressing room. Um, I'm not a person that uh, comes in and takes over the room. Um, I'm more, yeah, quiet, but I can speak my mind. Um, So I think they just appreciated the way I was as a person and then obviously the players liked the way I played football. Were there players that tried to bring you into the group or took you out for dinner or yeah, anything like that? Was, all the players were fantastic really to be honest I mean I couldn't ask for more I mean I was there my wife and kids were coming over every now and then I was there a lot on my own but the players always uh, took great care care of me. I would spend a lot of time with Van der Sar, Patrice Evra, and uh, Saha. Uh, yeah, Rooney brought me home a few times, and 
it was just I felt right at home in the in the dressing room. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for the way the players. Uh, took care of me when I, when I was there. And of course, football is a funny old game because on your debut, you scored against Aston Villa where Martin O'Neill was manager. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny old game, as you say. But I just had a feeling that I would get a goal in that game. And to be honest, I should have scored another two in the first half, really, to be honest with you. But it was just the first game I wanted to show myself so much that I maybe went in a little bit uh, too much into the game. I should have had a little bit more calmness. But in the end, I managed to score a, score a goal. And, uh, yeah, I was really happy because it's nothing better than scoring a goal in a debut. And, uh, yeah, it happened to be against Martin O'Neill. And, yeah, that was pleasing in, in a sense. But he knew... Uh, what kind of player I was and uh, I think that somewhere in his back of his mind he expected me to score as well Obviously that team that you were part of went on the next year to win uh, the Champions League a fantastic team of Sir Alex's reign did you know when you came into that team this team can go places they are what what did you feel about the bond of the team yeah they had a strong team they had a, a, a good uh, good squad um, so yeah they were solid I mean you had Ferdinand you had Vidic back there Neville was there uh, Gixi was there Skulls was still there uh, so I mean they had a really good good side um, and yeah I said it before I should have stayed the reminder of the, that season because I think that I would have scored a few more and I would have maybe get an extension of one year of my contract and then I would have been part of that team (laughs) because that would have been fun. But I knew, I had a feeling that uh, he was building uh, a new team that were able to to win win the Champions League. Yes, felt that way because the players were in the right right age and uh, started some of the players started to reach another level. And I mean, we haven't even talked about Cristiano, who was, I think, at that time, really on the verge, what he later on showed when he was at Madrid, what kind of player that he uh, was turning into. It was just amazing to see in, in practice and in the games and, I wasn't really surprised that he'd done that well at Madrid after that. I know this is the United podcast, but I just assume football fans will find this interesting because I'm so excited to ask you. You mentioned earlier that for you, Ronaldinho is the best ever. But obviously you played with Cristiano when he was reaching what we thought was a peak. And obviously he then just kept going. You also played with Lionel Messi, despite the fact that he was pretty young then still and hadn't reached the heights that he reached. How do you compare those three players and how do you see those three players? That's, uh, is, I think is, if you, I mean, Ronaldinho at the time, he'd done things what you hadn't seen before in football. Uh, but obviously, if you look, look at the numbers, uh, Messi and Ronaldo, yeah, you have to argue that they maybe are better. But the way what he'd done up to that uh, time, Ronaldinho was just amazing out of this world. 
why you have to give both Messi and uh, Cristiano the, the the credit and what they truly deserve because they are um, yeah I don't know I can't find the words because all the words have been used already and it's not really enough to describe both of them but I think that they are different kind of players both Messi and Cristiano I think that uh they're different in the way they play the game. Uh, if we leave Ronaldinho, I don't think that uh, either Messi or Cristiano is doing the same tricks and and playing the game in the same joy, joyful fashion that uh, uh, Ronaldinho played the game. I think that both Messi and Cristiano are more narrow-minded and more focused of, of scoring the goals. And I think that there are two different kind of players in 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 the sense how they score the goals. But they are amazing, amazing players. They are yeah, out of this world. And we should be lucky, uh, count ourselves lucky to have two great football players in the same era to uh, push the limits, to push the, the boundaries, uh, to compete against each other, to bring the game to, to an even higher standard. And I think that it will be so good for the future because now you're seeing what is possible as a football player. I think that further along, maybe, I don't know, uh, you can get more players of that and in, in that way uh, develop the game even more because I didn't think it was possible to play the way uh, both uh, Messi and Cristiano did or still are doing I should say You talk about the two or three of the greatest players ever to have played you've also mentioned that Sir Alex Ferguson is one of the greatest managers what was your relationship like with him because he spoke glowingly of you he wanted you to stay What? how did you find your relationship with him? No I think it was just a mature uh, relationship in the sense that he knew where I was and yeah obviously I knew where he was coming from. I mean, in the sense as well that um, he knew exactly how he, he wanted to prepare me in order to be able to play a little bit in, in the first game and how to play me in the games, uh, how many minutes, because obviously being a little bit older, it's, it's tougher to play the 90 minutes. And I think that we had a good relationship day-to-day, professional uh, uh, he helped me in in all the ways he could help me and uh, making sure that I, uh, how do you say that, that I had a great experience of the, 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 the club Manchester United, the way that they were looking after me and in all, in all the areas, making us as smooth as possible uh, in all senses. And it was just, I think that the most professional club I've been at as a, as a football player in the sense how uh, manager and club take care of the players. When I was at, at United, before that and after that, I never experienced anything like it. And I think that was also part of his uh, strategy in order to, to create the teams, to uh, 
create the, as good as atmosphere. The uh, family feeling club was part of his strategy in order to to get the most out of his players. And he was no different to me and towards the, the other players, uh, I think. Having said that, do you wish that perhaps you'd come to United earlier? No, I can't regret anything in my career. Uh, because well, that's fair. I mean, if I should regret um, something in my career, I can't choose something not to do because I feel that I've been blessed to have the career because growing up, dreaming of becoming a professional football player, I could never dreamt of leaving the mark I left in the, all the different clubs I've been at. So, no, I couldn't have any regret. The only regret I can have, what I said before, was that I didn't stay the season, full season in, in Manchester uh, with United because, yeah, I could have had another Champions League. Yeah, but that's the way it is. I can't regret it. It's, it's just, it's been more than what I ever could have wished for. I've got a quote here from Sir Alex. So at the time he said, we would love him to stay, obviously. He's made the promise to his family and Helsingborg and I think we should respect that. But I would have done anything to keep him. He's been fantastic for us. His professionalism, his attitude, everything he's done, he's been excellent. Was there a part of you that thought, maybe I could stay a bit longer or were you focused on what you'd already agreed to do? Yeah, I was. I, I made my promise to come home and they invested a lot of money in Swedish terms, in order to get me home from Barcelona. So I felt that I wanted to keep my word there. And uh, so for me, it wasn't an option. And uh, yeah, and <laughs> I wanted to live with my family again because I couldn't take them away after a year in, in, in Sweden and say, well, we're going for another, another adventure. I think that it, was, it wouldn't be fair especially to our son, Jordan, um, our daughter at the time, Janelle, she wasn't that old. So for her, it wouldn't have meant that much of a difference. But I felt that for the sake of our son, it's better for him. And, and if I look back at it now, I made the right decision because he loves the town. He has friends from his youth here. Uh, and he comes back here when he has his holidays. So obviously we, we've done something right there. Well, you scored an FA Cup goal, a Premier League goal and a Champions League goal for United. Your legacy is very much intact at the club. And since, in fact, another Swedish footballer has been and gone at United in Zlatan. Uh, was that something that interested you at the time? Yeah, of course. Uh, when, he, when he signed for, for United, I was pleased because I knew that you would get uh, a very good player and I think that he's shown that as well uh, fortunately unfortunately he got injured I think otherwise it could have been a little bit more uh, but what he did at United was just fantastic I think but it seems like the two of you are very different personalities we are different personalities yes we are but he's a very good human being if you know him uh, obviously there's different uh, uh, personas there's one publicly and there's one a little bit more private and 
private. I had a, a very long relationship with with Slatan, and um, he's a great guy. I can't say anything else. And the way he talks, that's uh, I think something he uses in order to motivate himself as well. And yeah, I think he's doing quite well because he's he's turning forty one this year and still still playing, and with that body, unbelievable. You had said before that you'd always wanted to go into coaching and managing. Did you take things and have you taken things from the managers that you've played under? Um, so Alex Ferguson, for example, what, what qualities have you taken from him into your managerial career? Yeah, but I mean, you take from everybody. You take small parts from everybody, I think. Uh, or That's what I try to do, at least. Because I think it's... You can't copy-paste anybody because... It won't be true to, for me, to my personality. There's different areas where, where we are as different as, as human beings. But what I took a little bit from, from Sir Alex was the way he treated his players, the way he was uh, talking to his players, the way he made them uh, being focused and being being up for the games, the the way he talked to the players and how he motivated the players was just fantastic. Fantastic. For Martin O'Neill was a lot of that as well. And Bim Janssen was just a different personality to compare to, to those two. I mean, both Martin and Sir Alex Ferguson were a little bit more, um, how do you say that, uh, a little bit more uh, vocal was Bim Jansen was a little bit more, I wouldn't say timid, but he was a little bit more a man who sp- spoke with a little bit of a softer voice. Uh, and I had other managers that I, that I didn't get on, get on with and uh, made sure that I didn't do the things that they did towards me uh, in order to, the players to feel better and, yeah, that's 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 what I try to do in my way of coaching and teaching players how to play football and what it means to be a professional football player because it's it's not easy uh, to know what it means in in order to be a professional football player. What you have to do, what you have to sacrifice, and uh, and how 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 you have to be. Do you have, uh, did you get a Premier League winner's medal? No, I haven't got that one. So you have a spare one, send it to me because I need it to my collection. Do you know why you don't have one? I, did, I think that I didn't play enough games. I think I played seven and he was supposed to play eight. When we spoke to Alan Smith, did he say he had one though, Sam? I can't remember because his was the same. So, because obviously the clubs can ask the Premier League for players who they think have contributed to have the medal even if they didn't make the game and what I've read is the Premier League said yes that you and Alan Smith both qualified for that medal but I, I don't know if you but you obviously don't have it I don't think I have it but I don't know where I would put it if I if I had it but I have to look because I moved houses so uh, it could be somewhere but I, I don't think so I think I didn't get one not the proper one at least I don't know but if I have one please find out and then I will look in my uh, in my uh, boxes because it surely should be there somewhere. It might just be like at the club or something because you weren't, obviously you'd left. 
Yeah. I left, so it might have just uh, been handed to somebody in a box and been like, get one that, get that one out to Sweden. I don't know. No. It's, well, you should have one. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, yeah. It would be great if I already got one. I can't remember where I put it, but if I would have one, I would put it somewhere with my Champions League medal. I would put it with my Scottish League medals or somewhere. I have to have a look. You've got the memories. But I, as far as I'm concerned, you've won the Premier League. I don't know if that helps anybody. Yeah, well, if you say so, then I will have to accept it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Henrik, thank you so much for speaking to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can I just ask you, do you enjoy coming back to Old Trafford just before we go? I don't have I been back. I think I've been back to play some charities games. But I'm thinking of uh, next time, next season, I probably will come over and watch a game, bring some friends. So you haven't been to a Premier League game since leaving? No, I saw the last game I saw with United must have been the Europa League final up in Stockholm. I was there watching that. You've got an extraordinary um, uh, I mean, record isn't the right word, but the day after you left United, you played against them at Old Trafford, didn't you? Was it? Because you played in a, like for a Europe 11. It was a charity match. Yeah, I think I played that, yeah. Yeah. Which it must have never happened that somebody would leave a club and literally the next day they play them. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is a long time ago. <laughs> Many games been played since then as well. So, yeah. if it was the day after, I can't remember. Can't remember. Um, I imagine when you're stopped by football fans, they want to talk to you about Celtic at a guess because that's where you spent the most of your time. But uh, I you might like to know that you have been so requested for this podcast. You're such a popular figure at Manchester United, and people remember your time there so well. I don't know how. I guess you know that, but I just thought it'd be a nice way to end to let you know that so many people were desperate to hear from you, and will be delighted that you've sat and spoken to us. Yeah, no, it was a great time, and the fans and the and the people in the city was just amazing to me as well. So uh, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to play for for that great club. I feel like we were in the presence of greatness there, Sam. I know. You listen to the players he played with and the things he did and that he achieved. And you think, he, like, he's a genuine football icon. Yeah, 100%. And he, although we didn't meet him in person, it's over Zoom, but he does have a bit of an aura, doesn't he? Yeah, like you, you sort of, I tried to sort of allude to it when we were talking about Celtic and like how he's revered at that club because of everything he achieved. But you think, he really is like one of those players, like a like a cult football legend. Yeah. Everywhere he was, he was loved and really successful. I guess from Celtic onwards, I don't know how people in final think about him. But yeah, you, you just sort of want to listen. Like I was so excited when he started talking about Ronaldinho and I thought, if I can, I'm going to get him on Ronaldinho, Messi and Ronaldo just to get his opinion. Yeah, it's one of those questions he's probably been asked so many times. And as he said, can't really find the words. Well, I know, especially by us too. Um <laughs> I bet you were surprised though when he said the old firm atmosphere was better than United Liverpool, El Clasico. Uh, I wasn't surprised that he said it was better than El Clasico because every like yeah people people say that I think especially if you're not Spanish. But yeah, I, I didn't know that he would throw United Liverpool in there too. I sort of hoped he'd focus on those two. Yeah, but I don't know. All we can do is take his word for it. He's, he's played in all of them. 
Yeah. But also, I suppose, different at different times, those games don't mean different things, but Celtic and Rangers are always fighting for a league title together that might be separated by three or six points. Yeah, I think so it goes deeper might, than that too, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, those games might win the league at, on top of being those massive, massive rivalries. I think we need to get on the case for the Premier League medal. Yeah, I, I actually think that we could do um, a, like a true crime pod- podcast. Where is his medal? I don't think that would be anything to do with the club. It would probably be... No, no, I'm not, I'm not implying that. But no, yeah, no. If they, no, 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 did just... they get permission? Where is the medal? Did it get made? Has he just got it in a box somewhere? No, <laughs> you wouldn't forget getting yeah, a Premier you, League medal. You, you don't know. forget that, Claire, or surely yeah. you don't forget that. I'm up for... If, if, if you're interested in a Splinter podcast... It's the in FA. Which we, we need to contact the FA, yeah. Sam. Yeah. I'll, I'll make this podcast. If people want to hear it... Send us a message. We'll do it. Get him um, I also really like that parents used to send him letters to stop sticking his tail. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> would you have done that if you'd started seeing your kids poking their tongue out? Probably wouldn't have sent a letter. No, that's a little bit extreme, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit extreme, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, really, really enjoyed that podcast. What a lovely man. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, and for all of you who requested it, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you've got any ideas for us, send them in. It's United Podcast at mainnighter.co.uk. Equally, let us know if you want the Where Is The Medal True Crime a Football Podcast. We could make that. Yeah. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Sam. See you soon. Cheers, Sam. Bye. Bye.